Welcome to season seven of Franchise Findings. This is your host, Patrick Fundaro. We're gonna continue to interview franchisees of some very large franchise organizations as well as emerging concepts, as well as founders and top professionals in the franchising space. I hope you enjoy our podcast as well as today's episode. So we have Patrick Fundaro here, co-founder at Vetted Biz and Visa Franchise. I have Bob Blizzard on, successful entrepreneur, consultant, as well as now a franchise broker. Bob, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our discussion. You have an extensive experience in staffing, home care, franchising. You sold a business that was doing $30 million in revenue. Is that right? Yeah. How did you get into the space? Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, yeah. I've kind of always been in the staffing. Uh, you know, I've come from a background of I've been a VP of a $2 billion staffing company. As you said earlier, I, I, I owned my own that I, you know, built up to about $35 million. So I've always been where, like, the employee is king. And so that's, you know, I've really been in the personnel and then, you know what? I don't care what, especially in franchising for most franchises, the employees are the number one thing. You're, you're a maid by the employees. So it, I think that's really, you know, been a good help for me. And how I got into the staffing, I mean, into the franchising space was I had a very large uh, staffing franchise asked me to help to get them into the government contracting world. So I started with that and, you know, and we, you know, we learned a lot of problems. I learned a but that was my first time cutting my teeth in the franchising space. And then my next uh, venture into this as a consultant, and ever since I've been in the franchising world, was I had a home care agency uh, come to me and said, Bob, we want you to come here and, and, and work with us because we have a problem with uh, certain things going on. And I couldn't for the life of me think, well, how? Well, I don't know anything about home care. Why would I? How could I help you? Until I looked a little bit further in it, going back, they wanted me to take care of the top 25 uh, offices. And the reason is when, when home care started, this was back around 2010, when home care started, I mean, it started before then, but at 2010, when they uh, asked me to come on, uh, no one ever expected home care to be a multi-million dollar operations for a lot of franchisees. So they were like, we don't know. We have cash flow problems. They have, we need someone to help these them. Are, these are people that invested like 100, 150K to get started. And now they're making like half a million plus, right? Off revenues yeah. of like 2 mil. Yeah, revenues up 2 mil, as high as 5 mil. And so they were like, we need to have somebody be able to like support them in the way they need supported. So, you know, I said, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, not knowing anything uh, about home care. But what I'd learned very quickly is home care is a staffing business. Okay. And to the outside world, it's such a noble, such a wonderful business. I have so much respect for all of those owners who take care of all the seniors, giving them their freedom to stay home and everything. And that's what drove them. But when you get to be a couple million dollars, you need to have a good business model behind that. And that needed to be a staffing model. Because I, you know, I, I tried to tell them, I now understand your business from a business model standpoint, and that is you're a staffing company because you have temporary staffing force. Uh, it's temporary labor. The difference between my staffing is I was B to B, they're B to C. How my business worked is my client ran out, the contract ran out. 
their client, either they run out of money or they run out of air, I used to always say. So there was no difference. You were running a temporary. So laying the business model of uh, staffing into their internal operation, their ops side, they were able to scale and grow and continue to. So what's the secret with the staffing model? You know, B2C, you're dealing with seniors, you're dealing with finding the staff. How do the top franchisees manage their time? Well, I think what I had to what I had to convince these home care owners that were, as I said, were really running staffing agency in the background is that you you always have to be recruiting. And and, and when I say recruiting, you can't run an ad because in today's world, anyone that's running a business knows. I mean, if you're unemployed for any length of time, that usually means you're you're probably not that good. So if you really want to get good quality people, you have to be able to go in recruiting, finding them and then luring them away. You know, I used to always tell uh, the, the home care agencies, there's only in any company, there's only one way to recruit people. You're either buying them, building them or stealing them. And so those are the three magic words. And if you're buying them, you're just running a lot of ads. If you're building them, you got one heck of a training program and you're training your caregivers in the way because they have a great heart or you're stealing them from your competition. And, and so and, and so when you have that mindset, I have to keep recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. It's the same in the staffing. They never stop recruiting. I don't care if they don't have any requirements. They're doing interviews, interviews, interviews. And if you don't run your business that way in the home care, you're going to have more clients than you have, you know, product, which is the uh, caregivers. I know you have experience also working with independent business owners that maybe they've hit 300K revenue, 500K revenue, kind of acting as a slave to the business. Uh Um, They're working all the time and you've successfully implemented some conversion strategies for them. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. It's it, it's something that, you know, I was able to be on in the beginning of, of this one. And, and conversion, let me just explain what a conversion uh, strategy is, because there's really two points of view that you, you really need to look at. And the first one would be the franchisor. Why would the franchisor want to have a conversion strategy? Why would they want an independent business to come join them? Well, the, the biggest reason they want to is it, it's it's instant revenue. You know, like I had one uh, I had one uh, CEO of a one franchisor and the reason they liked it, like they would average maybe 15, 19 new franchises every year. All right. And we bought in that year. We brought in two conversions, which totaled almost two million dollars. And they were saying that, you know, it would take, you know, that's equivalent it would take 10 new franchises to get to the 10 million in royalty revenue. It would take 10 of those to equal the two you had in that one year. Okay. Because instant revenue, you know, so that's why a franchiser wants to do it. And because, you know, they say time is money and, you know, you're getting a, a return on your investment for getting a convert. You're getting the 2 million in, re- in royalty revenue like that. And so home care, yeah. it's usually what around five percent royalty, six percent royalty, yeah, five six percent, depending on uh, yeah. So it would take them maybe twenty three, twenty four months to get to the revenue that someone. If you had three or four, 
they, you already got that revenue, the same revenue you would have if you sold 15 brand new virgin greenfield organic growth. So they like it from there. Now, the independent business owner, uh, as you had uh, said before, they're they're like underperforming. That's what we used to call them. I stopped calling them that. I never <laughs> called them to their face, but that's what was yeah. my target. Yeah. So my target was the quote underperforming. So I've adapted this thing called no, they're just stuck and they can't do the next step. And I really looked at that and I, I did have in the home care space, I really thought 500,000 was the magic number. I never got one lower than 800,000. Okay. So, and I got them as high as 1.8 million. So, and cause I started finding out there's a lot more that will make an, uh, make an owner, an uh, independent owner quit. I mean, convert. And that is the biggest one. They're tired of doing it alone. Okay. So when I get them and I'm talking to them, now I'm almost like their business consultant. So I'm looking, they're telling me their problems and the issues they have. And all I have to do is just ask them a few questions. I have to ask about their website because, you know, every new business owner that starts out, everybody will tell them you got to have a website. Everyone will do a website. I've never in my time met a small business owner who had enough real knowledge uh, about how to create a website, how to how to create a digital marketing program. So I'll just ask him. I'll say, how's your website? Yeah, yeah, I have a website. I could, I've already taken a look at it. I already know it's not going to work. It's not going to attract people. And I say, how many clients you have? Get off that. Almost inevitably, they'll say none. They get a few people apply. And I said, okay. so as a consultant, I'm saying, well, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to have a better marketing. You need to blah, blah, blah. And guess what? That costs money. And it's money they don't have. So then, then the offer is, okay, well, you know, we can fix that because, see, in order for you to grow and take the next step, you're going to have to have some kind of scalability. And they understand that they can't. They are working 60 hours. They can't work anymore. They just can't do it. And they don't have the money. So conversion gives them the instant scalability they want. They now have a support system. They have business coaches coming in, helping them along the way. They got new products, new marketing material and everything else like it. Something they will never, ever be able to get again. So my job to them is to make them understand the model that they're going to change to. And that is changing their mindset to, look, all you're going to do is rebrand, reinvent, which means just change your model or how you do business. And that will re-energize your company, all your employees, because they're something they're they're part of something big. They're now they're all into award programs, recognition programs, and yet they still are a hundred percent owner. And once they get to that, then they understand that little royalty, the amount of money that they'll make more if they follow the system. Always the same thing in franchising. If they do it, it will you know it will pay off for them. And what and, do you see? Like usually like a hundred percent increase over a couple of years. Uh, yeah. I would say that all of them at least, yeah, at least double their business. And, you know, and some of some people, they just love the fact that they're not alone anymore, that they have colleagues. Yeah, in like, community. Yeah. So, and, 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 so and, and, it's, and it's even hard to get the franchisor to really understand. When we help develop, I have one franchisor that, that I have helped. They are just like, they give 
if you have a certain amount of normal, they'll waive the franchise fee, okay? Yeah. And, and they'll, so and they'll bring in royalties for the first several months. Each one's different. So when, when the brokerage, when we have to uh, develop a program for a franchisor, we have to make it make sense. So there's not one conversion strategy that's the same because each one has- Yeah, a- and I've seen it with home care, commercial cleaning, real estate property management. There's quite a few industries, especially in the service space that yeah. um, it makes a lot of sense and has been well implemented. Yeah. What are you seeing on the home care space? It's grown so much. No one thought it was going to be this big, franchisors included. And you have some brands like Brightstar that is kind of preparing for a sell and, and is getting clauses where they could buy back the franchisee. I heard that Home and Said kind of similar thing. They were acquired by a big company and they want to eventually turn them into corporate locations. Do you see that as like an ongoing trend or is it just like with those two brands? I think the, the ones that I'm familiar with, and I am familiar with Home Instead, and they got bought by that company out in San Francisco that tried to do it all. Honor, as an, maybe? Yeah, Honor. Yeah. So, and, they, and they were trying to make it like uh, the Uber of home care. So that, you know, you could just go on your phone and instead of calling an Uber car, you could get an Uber caregiver. So I think that's gonna, <laughs> if they solve that, that's going to be really cool to be able to deploy caregivers like that and have the access to every caregiver in the world, really, because then they'll all register. Everybody in the world could be registered with uh, Homestead. So that, that'll be really interesting if they can pull that off. Personally, I just think you still got to trust. It's okay to get a cab ride, but when you're you're letting them in your house to yeah. take care of That's my mom, thinking. I'm yeah. not letting someone come off an app, you know, <laughs> to come take care of my mom. You know, it's just, I just don't see it happen. But I'm sure they're smart guys. They'll figure it out. I, you know, I do see a lot of consolidation. And that's the reason I think the conversion program, because, you know, you might as well join because the more consolidation comes in the industry, the smaller independents, they just keep getting smaller. They just keep getting squeezed because these guys can really put the money behind getting caregivers, getting clients. That's money that a small independent will never get, you know. The small independent, is it really a lot of word of mouth, referral sources from hospitals? Uh, They're going door to door with physicians. Absolutely. No matter what you do, no matter what kind of program you do, nothing's ever beaten a referral from a past client or someone that knew the past. Nothing beats that because it is a human business. You're not laying a tile floor or carpet as a franchise. You know, this is, you're really doing some serious stuff, taking care of a personal's life. I don't think Yelp or Angie's List, I mean, you might find the bad ones there, but nothing beats that uh, personal recommendation. And then on the staffing side, like actually sourcing these employees, I've spoken to a few franchisees that have sponsored overseas workers, caregivers in other countries to scale up their operation. And it's not for someone that's just starting right away, but maybe when they get to 50, 100 caregivers and get to the next milestone, they could actually sponsor caregivers, whether it's from the Philippines or other countries. Could you talk a little bit about your past experience with that in terms of staffing and maybe some of the benefits of bringing people in from abroad? You know, I think in in this country, as long as they can speak English, I think people and that's done our industry of home care. I shouldn't say because I'm not in I'm a broker now, but I spent so I spent 12 years in uh, home care space. 
legal immigrants are a big part of the workforce as long as they can you know, speak proper English. So what's been happening is uh, a lot of people are coming from the Philippines and the way they come across from the Philippines, it's really interesting because they go from the Philippines, they go to the Mideast, the Middle East. And one, some of that has to do with, you know, religious beliefs, like, you know, in, in most parts of uh, the Middle East, a woman is not allowed to touch a man, a stranger, strange man. So it's hard to do nursing or caregiving if you can't touch the person. So what they do is they bring these people in because they're not Muslim. So they are able to do. And then these people, their next step into getting into the U.S. workforce is they end up going to the UK, you know, <laughs> Britain, Ireland, Scotland, all those, and they learn the English language beautifully. And so now when uh, there are a lot of nursing uh, agencies get a lot of people from the UK and they're Philippine. And so they come over, but they can speak, they can work in a hospital, they can do anything because they've, they've had a great Western uh, experience. And so I've it, heard the retention is also very high like where they'll stay for two years at like a 95% threshold where the average American, it's maybe two months, three months. I don't know. What's been your experience? Exactly. They're, they're, they're so loyal. I mean, and, and remember when, and when coming into this country, they have to have those visas. So yeah. they, they, they are going to, the job is the king. So they're, they're not going to take a chance with that, with about losing the job. So they always show up. They always they are so reliable. They're just great employees. They really are. Outside of healthcare space, can you think of any examples, whether of a particular franchise brand or industry that you've helped implement a, a conversion strategy for? Uh, yeah, uh, I think there's, uh, I have one uh, medical staffing franchise that is really good for a conversion program. And I'll tell you why it's really good, because they have a they have a unique model. Not every staffing franchise, whether it's a medical or even regular staffing franchise, some staffing franchises do have it. So what happens is some people's business model, they own the employee and the client. What that means is if I place a person at a company, let's just say I place 10 people in a warehouse. Okay. Well, guess what? I'm going to put that people in the warehouse. Typically in the staffing world, you're not going to get paid for 45 days. Okay, so you have to pay that employee for 45 days before you get your first week sales invoice. So that means you have to be capitalized. Well, if you don't own the employee, now the franchisor is paying the employee. So like if you want a hundred man warehouse contract, you couldn't even afford to do it. But they will make sure you have the for you can afford to do it because they would do it like, you know, what, you know, they will do it automatically and pay everything. And then when the invoice when the invoice is paid, then the franchisor takes all the money that they use to pay and their royalty. And then you get what's over's left and that's what's called gross profit. But here's what's uh, really an interesting cool. model. Yeah. So the franchisee is not, you know, running a float of hundred K, two hundred K and having to man manage all their cash flow. Exactly. And and so their AR is not growing at a huge amount. So what's beautiful about a conversion in this process, all right, is that let's just say, because in a staffing world, a million dollars is like really not is nothing. OK, in a staffing, you know, you can get you can get to a million dollars. What's but the, the net margin on, on like it'd be like a four percent 
Uh, no, no, it would be higher than that. No, you said the uh, net margin. Yeah, well, I yeah, guess yeah. I was thinking home home care is usually like fifteen to twenty five percent, but uh, I've yeah, heard yeah. of other like temporary staffing where they just take a small arbitrage, and after all the expenses, it, it's it's not as much. Yeah, it should still be up there. No, it, 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 you know, you should still be up near ten. Let's put it that way. Okay. No, my you know. So, but here's what's nice about it. So, if you were up there, if you are, let's just say you had a below average staffing company, which means you're around $2 million. Okay. If you were at $2 million and you converted, so that means your, your accounts receivable is probably about $350,000 is owed to you in the back of the last 45 days. So, when you convert on the day you convert and the deal closes from that point on, they are invoicing and they are paying. You get to collect for the next 45 days that 300000 that is coming in. And that's yours as an owner in your pocket. That was never going to ever see his pocket, his or her pocket, because they were going to use it to pay the next month's payroll. And they just keep going. It just keeps going on and on outward. But once you convert, you get a $300,000 windfall. And then you're still making the same amount of money, all right? But what owner doesn't want a $300,000 check at the end of 45 days? And so <laughs> and what it really gives you, we call it two bites at the apple, okay? You you basically, you know, you got like a down payment on the sale of your business. So it, it's just a fantastic program if, it, if implemented right. I, I have a client uh, right now that any medical staffing company that wanted to convert over, you know, I mean, they're going to you're going to do their due diligence just like any other good franchise or but and medical staffing would be like nurses or what type of professionals, yeah. nurses, travel nurses, uh, therapists, physical therapists, you know, anything that a, that these hospitals use and rehab centers. And it's just like a staffing company, meaning they are giving that temporary contracted uh, health worker, skilled worker. They're, they're contracting them to a company, assisted living facilities. Uh, believe it or not, big contract, this company, they have a big contracts with educational institutions because every, you know, every school in a public school system has a nurse. Oh, yeah. You know, well, so guess what? You know, they can't, you know, if, if a staffing company has trouble finding them, a school system's not going to find somebody. So guess what? They supply the, the temporary nurses for schools. Talking to you as well as the interview I had with a franchisee that's grown to 2,000 plus units, people, 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 any advice in terms of just retaining talent and reducing turnover? Oh man, that has been since I've been in staffing, that has been the age old question. And, and, and you know, part of it is, you know, in the end, it, it, it never is about the money. 80% of the time, all right, it's not about the money, but it, I mean, you still got to pay a, a really good, solid, fair wage. But I think you have to be able to show them that you care. And so much time, even even in, in the early days of home care, the caregiver was a commodity. Now they're the treasured asset. They went from being a commodity to an asset. And it is your only assets, your most valuable. And so you spend a lot of time making them feel valuable because that is the, you know, that's what people really want. So, and, and it takes leadership to do that. There is, there is no 
retention program, two more days of vacation. That doesn't keep them at all. It really comes down to the relationship of your staff. Your staff has to be able, has to, everyone, the person who answers the phone, has to be able to treat them in a way. And you have to communicate that to all your employees all the time, you know, and so... And that takes leadership. There is no magical. I wish there was a magical program. Oh, we'll pay your, you know, because no matter Some what app you, pay, you can implement and so no matter what you pay, someone's going to top you. So if you're always going to be top, then stop fighting that battle. That's a losing battle, but you can make them feel really good and valuable. Bob, any concluding thoughts? We, we talked a lot. Conversion strategy, staffing, non-medical home care, medical home care. You know, I'm... Like if I sit here and I take a look at, you know, you know, in my career, when I'm helping people, you know, like I'm helping people choose a franchise now because what I've always seen in the, in, you know, in what I've gone into where they've been struggling, underperforming, whatever you wanted to call it. What I've always found, I, ha I have this one rule. Some people hate when I say the rule. I'm like, you sold them year five, but they bought year one. Okay. And they don't know what year one looks like. You know, they know what year five looks like. They've done all, they've looked at item 19s and they, you know, and I'm, I want that. I want that revenue and I want that net profit and that gross. And that's what they bought. What I try to help. So when I'm giving, a, a, you know, advice to, you know, someone looking into franchising, I'm like, here's what you're buying year one. This is yeah, what exactly. life look like. You know, I developed this program that's called the C3, C3 program. And basically what I have is I just have uh, the concept, which is the franchise and all its wonderful things, because people got to be excited at what they're going to do for the rest of their life. So they, they look at the concepts, they narrow down some concepts with some help. And then so that's the one C. Then the other C is to collaborate. We'll collaborate around all that, which is really the due diligence. And the due diligence doesn't start after you choose the concept. It starts all along the same time. So you have this other circle where we start looking at, you know, with, uh, you know, assessments, profiles, assessments. And then you have the last one, which is capability. That's the last of the C3. And so just imagine three circles. And when I say capability, I'm not talking about just the capability of the potential owner of the franchise, the capability of the franchisor. So these circles start coming together during the process and wherever all three overlap, that's the one. And I, and I, and I always tell, uh, I always tell my clients, I says, in the end, if you did the process right, the concept or the franchise chooses you, you don't choose it. It, it just comes oh, through like, that's it. And now their excitement for then on. Yeah, you know, the hardest client I ever get is uh, one that's already excited about buying something. I'm like, well, OK, but let me just walk you through this process. And sometimes they will, you know, they're still excited about that process. They, they didn't care what I said. <laughs> but most of the time they do. And we can get the people because, like I said, the, uh, the people that have failed, that I have seen failed, really, they, they picked a good concept. They just picked a bad business model. The model didn't fit what they had to give. And so that's the only reason they failed. There's no way they invested huge amounts of their life savings to sit here and all of a sudden become unmotivated. I'm like, what? You know, so anyway. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, sadly, have been sold like semi-absentee 
franchise opportunities where the model doesn't like provide for that. And it's just like huge mismatch on like expectations of the candidate with the reality of the operations. And that's like kind of the perfect storm where it's like, Oh, year one, you're working 50, 60 hours a week, but I thought it was going to be like 20 hours a week. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Absentee over, it says 15 hours. And, And it's the same when I say to them, that, you know, like they'll tell me and I'll look at their assessment and it'll show them that, you know, they love their family. They're not going to miss little Johnny's games. And and I'm like, I'm like, well, they like this concept. And they're actually two things. I said, but you do you realize you got to sell? And your your profile says you hate to sell. If you hate to sell, you're never going to go out and sell. This is the same concept. It's exact. They, they're doing the same service, but they find your leads for you. You need to go. I know you love this one, but in the end, it's still their decision. Yeah, that's the thing. As an advisor, consultant, you can help and provide the information. But at the end of the day, the candidate's going to live with their decision. I know. Um, Matter of fact, I tell them I judge my success on not on whether I help place you in into a franchise. I'll judge my success two years later when you yeah. tell me how you're doing, because I, one thing I do, I, I always give all of my clients one year for uh, one hour a month for a year. They get to talk to Very me cool. about anything about they're having trouble with this. I, I don't care. You know, that's huge. So, so Bob, what's the best way to, to get in contact with you, whether those listening are prospective franchisees, independent business owners, maybe franchise wars interested in, and creating a conversion strategy. You can get me at, at Bob at thebrokeragepros.com. And obviously you can find me on my website, www.thebrokeragepros.com. And that's we'll include you. that in the show notes too. Okay. Make it easy. Thank Thanks so much for joining and opening up about all your experiences throughout franchising and the staffing space. Thank you, Patrick. I know you've helped me with uh, Vetted Biz as it's really helped me. I've always enjoyed it since getting into the industry. Yeah, no, I've noticed I was going through the logs that you're you're a pretty active uh, user. So I appreciate that and keep the feedback coming. Anything that we can do to improve, to get better data uh, to you, to help better help your clients, let us know. All righty. Thank you, Patrick. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. You can leave us a review if you enjoyed the podcast episode. If you hated the podcast episode, let us know what you thought as well as what future episodes you'd like to hear. Feel free to also drop me a line at patrick at vettedbiz.com and subscribe please to our YouTube channel, Business and Franchise Opportunities by Vetted Biz. This has been Franchise Findings Podcast. Thanks for listening.